This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. We are now a week and a day into the transfer portal. Badgers have seen six scholarship players leave, and they've seen three players come in. Which ones do you want to start with, Jesse? Let's let's start with the guys that are gone, the newer ones. I think we kind of talked about some of the other ones last week, obviously with Chimray DK and Skylar Bell. Uh, but the the newer ones, specifically uh, Trey Wedding, who you had an opportunity to chat with uh, on his way out, a guy who you know came in as a big time recruit, was a four star recruit out of Keller Moraine, and played significant snaps last year it appeared that that was going to again be the case this year with his rotation but it never happened and i i feel like that was kind of based on your story or based on you talking with him was kind of the reason why he's no longer at wisconsin is uh they decided to go with their five and he was the one that was kind of on, on the outside looking in yep i think this one is pretty simple and while there may be a little bit more behind the scenes Trey clearly wanted to keep things close to the vest. He is a man of few words, and I give him I give him credit for agreeing to this interview. I actually called him on, on Friday after he entered the portal, and he said that it was still a little too raw and fresh because he had just entered, but he agreed to talk on Monday. And so a lot of guys would prefer not to discuss uh, an uncomfortable or unfortunate situation where it didn't work out for them at Wisconsin. So I'd start there. But obviously, he's somebody who came into this season thinking he was going to have a big role. He started eight games last season, a five at right tackle, two at right guard, one at left guard. And you and I talked about this multiple times during the practices that we saw that he was very clearly a part of that rotation. And we didn't know how deep it was going to go, but felt confident that he was at least going to be one of them. And when the season started, they only had one guy coming off the bench, and it was Trey in that three-player rotation at guard. There would be a couple series where it'd be Joe Huber and Michael Furtney, and then Wedig would come in for one of them. And that was kind of how they did things. And midway through the season, that changed because he played, and this is according to Pro Football Focus, but Wedig played 52 snaps in consecutive games against Rutgers and Iowa. The next game they played Illinois, and he did not play an offensive snap. And Luke Fickle was asked about it a couple of days after the Illinois game. And, and he said it was kind of the situation of the game and what Fickle wanted. This is according to Fickle that he talked to Jack McNell Jr. And said he wanted to keep the starters in the game for at least three series to see if they could quote, get into a groove end quote. And Wisconsin ended up, I suppose, getting into a groove late in that game and trade in play. And from that point forward, he almost never played. He played 11 offensive snaps the rest of the season. So I, when I talked to Trey, again, he didn't say a ton, but one of the things that stood out to me is, you know, it wasn't a particularly good game for anybody against Iowa. And he said he called it his worst game. So, but he said it ended up being that he was the one who got less. I mean, he, he said, I, I was up for the challenge of doing the new system and all that, but it's hard when all this stuff happened and you're the one guy who got less. So, Look, players aren't always going to agree with the coach's decision, but to me, it's pretty clear that he didn't feel like this was the spot for him to be developed to become an NFL player because he didn't know what his role was going to be moving forward. And now he's going to see if he can find a role somewhere else and potentially earn himself a, a starting spot and an opportunity for the NFL. 
I'm sure he's going to find a starting spot somewhere. There are, yes. you know, um, so I, I totally believe that. One question coming out, out of that for me, and you, you kind of followed up with him because you he asked, uh, he said, it's just, it's, I definitely think it's heading in a good direction. He's talking about the program itself. It's just that some things were going on that I wasn't a particular fan of. And then you've kind of followed up with the fan of, you know, essentially being playing time. Do you think there's anything else there other than the playing time? That's where it's really difficult to suss out. Um, because again, there weren't many responses that he gave that went longer than one or two sentences. Um, my sense is it's largely that he just didn't like what the coaching staff decided where they essentially cut him out of the rotation beyond that. It would be pure speculation. And I have no idea. Obviously this was not an easy season for anybody. It didn't go the way that uh, the Badgers had hoped, but they also just made such drastic changes. But again, based on what Trey said, he was, he was ready and willing to be a part of those changes. It's just that his role basically evaporated in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's tough. That's a, it's tough, and especially I mean, it's obviously made tougher because he's an in-state guy and grew up wanting to play for Wisconsin, and now obviously he will have to go and play elsewhere. So um, that was that's a tough one. Uh, the other one I think since we had a chance to talk was was Jordan Mayer, um, yeah, the outside linebacker. I, you know, there were I think he was obviously recruited to the old system, and you know maybe he just there wasn't a feel that he was going to uh, get time in this one. I don't. I, we didn't get to see him very often or see him very much. I mean, he was an early enrollee last year, but even in the spring last year, we didn't get to really see him. Yeah. I honestly wondered whether he would end up with Wisconsin when all of this transition happened. I remember talking to him after he committed and, and all this stuff was going on, but the staff did a good job of keeping as many people as they could. And I think a lot of it is asking himself what is, it's just like all these guys, I shouldn't say all, but a majority of the guys who enter the portal, what, what's the reason? They're not happy with their situation and they think they'll have an opportunity to play more somewhere else. What was his role going to be at, at outside linebacker? And when you see what Wisconsin is doing in the transfer portal, which I know we'll get into as well, they are continually recruiting over you by getting guys for maybe a stopgap one or two years. That stunts your opportunity to... You can still be developed, but you're not going to have as many chances to get reps. Yeah, it's a tough situation for a young guy who wasn't necessarily their guy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's tough. That's tough. Um, but yes, they have been active in the portal, continue to be active in the portal. And we obviously talked about Leon Lowry last week. And, you know, we, we got done with the show. He had decommitted. And then three days later, he, he recommits and. I know we we talked about it a ton on on uh, Temple and High Alpern last Thursday, all about your story and the the breaking and down of everything that happened in those that uh, four day five day period. So if you haven't if you haven't heard that story, if you haven't read the story, go to the Athletic and read it, or you can listen to Temple and High Alpern about it. So I'm not gonna I don't think we need to dive into too much more of Leon Lowry, um, but they added two more transfers uh, this week, and the first one to come through was yesterday morning, uh, Monday morning. And it was Kaysen Pfeiffer, the long snapper from Cincinnati. So he's got uh, a very good connection here with uh, Wisconsin's staff, but he'll replace Peter Bowden, who's on his way uh, to the NFL. One of the guys that was up for the Manley Award, which goes to the top long snapper, long snapper in the country. Uh, but Kaysen Pfeiffer will be the new 
long snapper going forward and be on scholarship. Yes, I had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Um, obviously, of all the transfer portal additions, adding a long snapper is probably the one that will garner the least amount of attention. I was going in chron- chron- chronological order, so. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying in general, that position is not one that it, it stirs the masses, but it was mm. important because Peter Bowden, and they've had a really good run of long snappers, right? They had Adam Bay yeah. before then, four-year guy, Peter Bowden. And now they bring in someone who is one of the best long snappers in the country. And the best way to tell is you never hear their name called because they're just consistently doing their job. But he was a four-year starter at Cincinnati. And when I talked to him, obviously it had to align for him to to go somewhere else. They needed, uh, the, sc- the school needed to have a spot on scholarship. They needed to have an opening at long snapper and he wanted to play at a high level. So I think he said he heard from maybe 10 or so schools and three or four or five were at the level that he was looking for. But this, frankly, was a no brainer. He'd already played for this staff. We know that Luke Fickle is very hands on with the special teams unit. We saw it last season. He's got plenty of familiarity with Fickle and and uh, the coaches here. So it just worked out for him to come in as a one year replacement. And what I find most interesting is the fact that this staff has now put three specialists on scholarship. Again, if they were going to get Pfeiffer, he had to be a scholarship guy. He was on scholarship for them when he was at Cincinnati. But you've got Atticus Bertram's the punter, Nathaniel Vakos the kicker, and now Cason Pfeiffer, the long snapper, all on scholarship. It shows you how much they value that phase, which can sometimes be forgotten, not necessarily by a staff, but People talk about all three phases of the game. Usually you're only paying attention to offense and defense. So that's three scholarships to the specialists. And that certainly cuts down on where you can go elsewhere. You got 82 available for offense and defense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They've, they've had, I mean, Adam Bay was on scholarship too, right? So they've had essentially a scholarship long snapper for the last eight seasons. I don't know the specific number of years. Um, at least the last, at least the last eight seasons, um, or at least the, the last seven, because uh, Bowden was on scholarship too. So, I mean, it's in, it's an important spot, and as you mentioned, the only reason you ever hear the name is if they screw up. So, um, he hasn't. That's why a lot of people don't know Peter Bowden. He he rarely screwed up. He was one of the better ones in the country, and they believe that Casey Pfeiffer will be as well. The other addition that Wisconsin made uh, came from the FCS, and that was linebacker John Pius. Uh, he had a he's out of William and Mary, had a very good 2023, had a really good last two years uh, at William and Mary. Uh, but last year, this past season, he had 53 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 16 tackles for loss, nine quarterback hurries. And he was an FCS All-American. Uh, they obviously added a D3 All-American last year in Nizier Forkarine. But um, moving up, uh, you know to the next level FCS higher than division three. And John Pius is a certainly a nice ad for them on the edge. Yeah. I think most people, I think we've talked about this before, but there's a level of uh, cautious optimism or skepticism about any transfer who put up big numbers and is coming to Wisconsin based on what <laughs> happened last season, even just because of Tanner Mordecai or what? Well, I think Darian Varner is one that comes to mind. Like, yeah. Oh, he was a, uh, he was a first team all American athletic conference performer. He put up these crazy numbers at Temple and was part of a rotation, but you rarely heard from him during right. during the season. Yeah. So. I, the, the thing about Varner is 
and we kind of talked about it last year, the reason he was so good at Temple, at least it seemed to be, is he lost all the weight. And he was sitting at like 260. And they put the weight back on him when he got here. And it was, I think he lost some of the explosion, some of the movement. And I don't know that he can play at the, at the weight that he was at and be a impact player. I mean, he wasn't an impact player the year prior to uh, at Temple, right? Like he was, the numbers don't jump out at you at all. His his numbers in 2022 certainly did because he lost that weight very, very quick and, and gave teams all kind of trouble. But at Wisconsin, they put the weight back on him. And I don't think we saw the type of athlete, explosive athlete that they thought that, that we thought that they were getting. So that yeah. that to me is, is, is a little bit different than it is for some guys. Yeah, Um I don't want to diminish the excitement of John Pius. I just think there's a, a little bit of thing from the fan base based on my interactions with them of skepticism about sure. oh, what transfers in. He's going to automatically be the guy. But the difference here is different position. It's an edge guy. He's 6'2", 235. You can't deny what he did at William and Mary. The, I mean, in his career, he had 171 tackles, 40 and a half tackles for loss and 24 and a half sacks. And they need that explosiveness off the edge. I, I, I'll be interested to see when we get to spring practice how he fits in and whether they view him as a potential starter. Now there is an opening with CJ gets gone. They've also got Leon Lowry, Daryl Peterson's back, Jeff Petrowski, but really, I mean, Peterson and Petrowski are the only ones that are returning guys who saw a significant number of snaps. So I think he's going to have a chance and they need that. That, that to me was one of the things that was missing. And while Getz and Peterson, they put up solid numbers, um, maybe even better than solid, you didn't always have that explosive playmaker that we saw for the previous three years with Nick Herbig. So maybe Pius can be that guy. And I do think if you're, I mean, we mentioned Nizer Forkurine. It's a good example of somebody who who moves up and carves out a role, ended up taking over Alexander Smith's snaps and and being a starter. Yes, that's yeah, very true. And he's going to be obviously back next year. And you would think, assuming if, if Ricardo Holman comes back, that you have uh, your two starting corners, at least on the outside. And then we'll see what happens. Well, I shouldn't say that. You know, there's going to be a lot of competition with some of the younger guys, whether it's Jonas DeCloner or uh, Jace Arnold or Amari Snowden. But the cornerback depth seems solid. Now, slot depth, that remains to be seen and exactly who they want to put there because obviously Jason Matry is going to be gone. His backup this entire year was Owen Arnett, but I think a a Justin Taylor or if Max Lofi gets healthy could be there or they could move somebody else inside too, if they want to get some of these other guys on the field on at outside. But um, the other edge, I mean, what else do they have at edge? Uh, Caden Johnson, who played a little bit towards the end of this season, they moved TJ bowlers to the defensive line. They have one guy coming in in uh, LaFelle at least one, I should say, coming in LaFelle. Those two guys that they brought in feel like ones that are going to help right away. Oh, absolutely. The, with with Lowry and with Pius? Yeah. Oh, for sure. You don't bring in guys with that much experience to not have them not only be a part of the rotation, but potentially start. I think you're looking at, and we haven't seen a practice yet, but certainly Pius, Lowry, Peterson, Petrowski, to me, uh, the question mark for the last three years is Aaron Witt's situation. Uh, he yep. was able to dress late in the year, which is tremendously encouraging based on where he has been. 
I don't know what the future holds for him. All I remember is what he did in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in 2020 as a freshman where you're like, whoa, <laughs> where'd that come from? That guy has a chance to be a difference maker. So those are the ones. And you mentioned Caden Johnson. They've got two edge guys coming in in this class. You mentioned Anello Lefele, but Thomas Heiberger as well. I believe both of them are going to be early enrollees, so they'll have an opportunity to get their feet wet and get some snaps, but clearly they needed more playmaking. And that's why you're seeing outside linebacker being a, a position that they have actively pursued in the transfer portal here. Has any player ever had their potential hang in the balance for a longer period of time off of one game than Aaron Witt? If there's one out there, I can't think of it. I, I mean, I, seriously, the guy played one big game, a Duke's Mayo bowl against Wake Forest in 2020, in December of 2020. We are now in December of 2023. He's played, he has barely played any defensive snaps since. Maybe, I don't know if, if he got something against Minnesota. I don't think he did. There's, I mean, special teams, yes, but like, ah, putting a lot of, putting a lot of stock in what, in what, uh, what we saw in one game three years ago. But, but, Bobby April was one that talked him up too, right? Like he's a guy that he couldn't wait to get him back on the field. Now he ever never got that chance, but I guess we'll see what they view him as. But basing all is this potential off of one game is just it's kind of comical to me. Um, but I'm hopeful for him because he's been through so much. Right. And we have again no idea, but it's part of the fun of speculating at this time of the year. If he is healthy, though, you have to think he'll be able to give this group something because there to me, there are openings. Then it's interesting the way the class shakes out. They've got the two true freshmen coming in Heiberger and LaFelle, and then just a bunch of upperclassmen. So um, I just find that interesting. And they're, they're going to continue to need to figure out what to do with the future at this position. Yeah, they definitely will. Um, all right. So they've had, we kind of mentioned this on Temple and high open last week. They've had some other guys in, but I kind of wanted to talk about uh, a couple of quarterbacks because yeah. uh, Wisconsin was connected to a couple of them. Uh, the new one that we hadn't talked about yet was Tyler Van Dyke out of right. Miami reportedly took a visit to Wisconsin. And I'll be honest, it, it doesn't feel like a fit to this offense because he's not exactly a mobile guy, but he does have a big time arm. He does have a ton of experience. He's had success, even though there wasn't um, great success this past season. You really have to go back to 2021 where he kind of like really flashed on the scene. What do you think about that pursuance of uh, Tyler Van Dyke? Now, he, he was a guy that was he was a guy that Wisconsin, the old staff recruited and and wanted. But I don't he doesn't like he is not like the legs that Tanner Mordecai or any of most of the guys that they've had other than Braden Locke on this roster or have been recruiting, you know, as high school athletes or even, even in the portal. I think people are more excited about Daquan Finn. Yeah. Potentially. And whatever happens with that recruitment, it's interesting because we know they need somebody and they're clearly looking for a veteran guy who can come in and, fill the role that Tanner Mordecai did because right now it's Braden Locke and his three and a half games played and, and no one else in terms of experience, but you're right. Not a mobile guy at all. 
And when you factor in the sacks, 108 carries for 32 yards, the numbers offensively are pretty solid. I mean, about 64% completion rate. He's thrown for 7,478 yards with 54 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. But much like we were talking about defensively, I also think there is a measure of skepticism just looking at the numbers because of what Tanner Mordecai did. On the other hand, he did this at Van Dyke, did this at Miami, um, playing consistently quality competition. I just think it comes down to what, what does Phil Longo want, want this offense to be? And and maybe it's, we've got to go get the best available guy. And as he has said numerous times, you fit the scheme to the talent you have, the personnel, but is he the answer? I don't know. And you, you know what you're getting there and it's not that. And if you want to be, I think effective with your RPO game and all that stuff, you've got to have a legitimate mobile threat. Yeah. And he's not that. Whereas Daquan definitely Daquan Finn definitely is that, but you also, if you go and watch highlights of Daquan Finn, he is an electric runner. There is no doubt about that. I do think he has some limitations throwing the ball. So <laughs> does passing come first or does running come first when you're looking at a quarterback in this offense? Uh, to me, it's passing. I mean, I, <laughs> we, this the I, I'll just always think of Tanner McAvoy, a tremendous yeah. athlete, a great runner, but was not a good passer. And that's putting it mildly. You've got to have somebody who can effectively run the game plan and move the ball down the field in a perfect world. You'd love to have both. But I think that's part of what this staff is trying to weigh. And I it's hard not to think about the comment that that Matt rule made Nebraska's coach about how much he felt like it's going to cost to get a high level quarterback. And he mentioned that it would start at a million, million and a half, maybe even 2 million because we don't know what kinds of conversations are being had since no one is obligated to, to tell us um, like what, <laughs> what is it going to take to land that kind of quarterback? That's also got to be factored in here. Well, they apparently are going after two guys that are cost them millions of dollars, right? Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, Kyle, not... Kyle, Kyle McCord, who is visiting there, and then also um, Riola, the quarterback, the essentially the legacy, the son of their uh, form, uh, former center Dominic Riola, and the, I believe the nephew of former Wisconsin center Donovan Riola. Um, they uh, are apparently right in the mix for him too, and I guarantee you, he's not going there for free. So. Yeah, um, going back to uh, to Daquan because obviously those two guys are the ones we were just talking about. Uh, Riola and Gal yeah. McCord are not going to be coming to Wisconsin. Um, but you go back and and look at I, Tanner Moore, T- Tanner uh, McAvoy is obviously the the running for that. But I think we need to at least give Daquan a little bit more credit. I I didn't give him a ton of credit. He's a better passer, certainly a much better passer than Tanner McAvoy, right? Like you go and look at what he did at at Toledo. I mean, he completed sixty three percent of his passes this year, twenty six hundred yards, twenty two touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, McAvoy had like fifty eight percent completion rate as a, as a quarterback. And you go back and look if you take the Western Illinois game out of that, and it, it drops it drops below fifty. So, but I understand what you're trying to say, right? Like if you don't have the passing aspect to it, it it's very difficult to be a, an effective offense. 
but I think he does have that passing aspect, but I would still say I'm a little uh, skeptical of it being able to be consistent in, in play that way in the big 10. Right. And it's, it's not fair. And I'm not trying to compare Finn to McAvoy. It's just that when you think about the, in the history of Wisconsin quarterbacks, the, the mobile guys, there haven't been a ton and he comes to mind only because they went with him because of his mobility and the passing ability wasn't there. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Finn's a, a much better, better passer and generally been able to take care of the ball. I mean, he had a year in 2021 where he threw 18 touchdowns and only two interceptions. So, and he's the Mac player of the year. If they yeah. can get him, I think it would be tremendous for this offense and create a lot of excitement for what's possible. What I think is, it's not really a dilemma because you need a quarterback now and miles Burkett's left and you don't want to go into a season where you don't have hardly any experience, but how do you develop the future at that position? And, and you could say this about every position where it, at Wisconsin and every school in the transfer portal era, when you're consistently recruiting over guys and bringing in someone who's essentially a stopgap, you want to win now and you also want to develop your players. And I think sometimes those can be um, kind of butt heads against each other. If I'm Phil Longo, I'm taking Daquan Finn, and I still have Braden Locke there. Braden Locke, essentially, a much less accomplished Tyler Van Dyke. Like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Shorter <laughs> Van Dyke, but he's the passer. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily have the, the running skills, but he's he's got the arm, and I think you continue to roll with that. And you, <clears throat> you bring in Daquan Finn and hope that, not even hope, expect him to succeed both in throwing and, and, and running the ball. We we saw what Tanner Mordecai did, or excuse me, yeah, Tanner Mordecai did this year, over 350 yards of of uh, running. I mean, Daquan Finn had 563. He is a, a much better, I think he's a much better runner than Tanner Mordecai. I don't know that he's the same passer as, as Tanner, but he would be, look, he would be a good ad and would be a guy that would certainly provide some excitement and maybe comp. I don't know. Would there be a competition in your mind? Like if you're Daquan Finner, you come in here and this goes back to the idea of guaranteeing starting positions, which I don't think Wisconsin's doing for the most part, though. It certainly felt like they did that with Tanner Mordecai for obvious reasons, but is this a competition or is this his job? If he comes in. My initial inclination is that it would be his job. On the other hand, if you get to spring ball and he's struggling, that opens the door for, for Braden Locke, but he's got the experience. He's put it all on film. I don't think they go and and pursue him and potentially get him without having those kinds of conversations and and saying this is going to be your team. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to touch on in the in the transfer portal? Some of the, I mean, obviously Tyrell Henry was here, the the wide receiver from Michigan State. He's got yep. uh, another visit set up. Anything else you wanted to touch on in the portal at all? I think we've covered it for now. As we've seen, this is just a, a constantly evolving situation where they're bringing in a bunch of guys and we're nowhere near done. Yeah, they are not. However, they also apparently are not done in the 2024 recruiting class either. Um, Wisconsin recently hosted uh, defense lineman Ernest Wilner Jr. from Maryland. He's never, I think he's, he's either the first or second ranked player in the state of Maryland uh, to go along with um, getting it. Gideon Atuka, who's certainly up there as well in the state. They have gotten a crystal ball. A lot of people projecting that he's going to end up at Wisconsin. He would end up being their highest rated recruit in this class. And a guy that would be among the, I think I went back and looked like 
top five all time among defensive linemen commits. How big would this be for Wisconsin? Well, it would be a massive recruiting win when you consider his offer list, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama. You can go on down the list. And really what it seems like now is between Wisconsin and Maryland, because he's got an official schedule for Maryland, was supposed to visit Ohio State. Looks like that's not happening. So hasn't not a done deal yet, obviously, but we saw this past season what Wisconsin had on its defensive line and you need playmakers up there clearly. So if they got this, it would to me be, I mean, they've got a lot of great players in the class, but this would be one of the biggest, maybe the biggest recruiting wins given what they need on the D line. And of course, and of course by Gideon Atuka, I meant Dylan Jones um, from Maryland, Dylan Jones, the, the running back, one of the, one of the top five players in the state of Maryland, uh, Ernest Wilner. I think the composite has him number two in the state, uh, but the uh, top 24, seven has him as, or 24, seven has him as the number one player in the state of Maryland. Either way, that would be just a huge capper to a, a pretty darn good class and a class that would probably end up in the top 25. Wouldn't it? If this, I, yeah, I would, would finish so. that there. Atuka is also from Maryland, but obviously not as highly rated. But yeah, right. I mean, if you look at where the 24-7 sports composite rates these guys, I think they've got like, I'll have to go back and look now, but seven four-star composite players. Um, I, think, I think it's six right now, but it would be seven. Okay. Which would be among the best they've had, certainly. So it's um, maybe it hasn't generated a lot of attention lately because they did their work early. And so they've kind of been standing pat. I know they had 21. Now they're down to to 20. Um, but it's shaping up to be a class with a lot of potential. Yeah, and we'll do our normal signing day class show next week when they uh, do their signing. Um, who are some of the guys that maybe fans should be keeping an eye on right now in terms of potentially not actually signing with Wisconsin? Xavier Lucas feels like the one that obviously stands out. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton of guys right now that you would feel like Wisconsin is going to lose. But of all of them, he would be the one largely because if you've been following his recruitment, um, Florida State, Miami, like he was interested in them. How interested are are those schools in him? He's a Fort Lauderdale kid. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I know. I mean, we're closing in on a week until signing day. And then the longer Wisconsin can hang on, the better the Badgers have to feel about it. But I don't think I'm I wouldn't be concerned about anybody else at this point. I know earlier there was some concern about and and I'm speaking of fan concern with Darian Dupree because they went and got another four star running back in Dylan Jones. They've already got Gideon Atuka in the fold. And and where does Dupree fit in as a one of three running backs? Alabama was interested, but it seems like things are are in a good spot for him and he's going to have a chance potentially to come in and, and play right away. So I think there, I wouldn't expect a lot of changes, but you never know where the ace up the sleeve is because if, as you remember last year, we're getting down to the end of our press conference with, with Luke fickle. And he makes a comment about, he wouldn't be surprised if there was a, another wide receiver addition today. And <laughs> I, I was like, what is he talking about? There's nobody on the board and they end up flipping Tretch Kekahuna. So who knows what's going to happen on Wednesday? Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, this offseason, obviously, it's going to be crazy. I, I'm a little surprised it is not crazier than, than <laughs> a little bit less crazy than I was expecting going in. Um, that there's yeah. only six scholarship guys right now on the portal. 
Um, again, double digits if you start if you include some of the guys um, that left, and if you include the walk-ons. But does it seem like there's fewer guys in there than than you were expecting? And I know I'm not going to ask you for names, but it felt like a few more guys might might decide to go that that avenue. It definitely seems like a lot fewer names. I think the first day of the portal window opening was a good indicator because it was Chimre and Skyler went in and it really wasn't a mass exodus or anything like that. And maybe that speaks to what Luke Fickle is trying to build and players being bought in. Um, But it's a long portal window. (laughs) And so until it closes in early January, who knows how many more guys are going to go. Yeah, I mean, I could see a few more. I could see a few more as the the conversations continue to happen, and as bowl practices go through, and you see your role still not. I mean, this is these are these bowl practices are an opportunity for young guys to stand out, right, and give themselves an opportunity. And if you if it's not happening now, and it didn't happen last fall, and it didn't happen last spring, do you want to stick around for one more spring and and try and try your hand again, or do you want to go somewhere else and um, I guess at least in my mind, there's, there's a number of guys that are, that appear to be trying to do that. So we'll see Wisconsin will, uh, have their signing day next week. Then they leave for Florida where they're going to take on LSU and the, uh, rely quest bowl coming up on January 1st. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit on? Did we forget, we forget anything that we wanted to talk about? I think we've covered it for now. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Oh, Obviously, it was official that Mike Brown is no longer the wide receivers coach. He's now he's now at Notre Dame. Any uh, any names come to mind? Potential uh, fill-ins for him, other than like a what we usually do as fans. Like, does Chris Chambers want to coach that position? Does Lee Evans want to coach that? Like, just just picking the picking the greats at the position that played there. Like, whenever the running back job comes comes open, why you know why don't you get Ron Dane? He'd be great, right? <laughs> right. Not, not at this point. I'll certainly be interested to see what Luke wants to do. Is it somebody that he's got familiarity with? Does he want to bring in someone that might have potential ties to Wisconsin? We know that's something that's been a topic of conversation since he hired his new staff, but it's going to be a, a much different wide receiver room next season when you lose some of your top guys from this season and you've got a new position coach. Um, a lot of changes coming, I think, this offseason. Yeah, and again, the obviously Mike Brown's the one that has left so far as part of this staff, but it, um, he won't be the last. So there's going to be changes there as well as uh, we go through the off season and uh, some new faces, some new names probably on that or will be on that staff as well. So, um, all right, we will be at Monks and Sun on Thursday for Temple and Heilprin. Come check us out. Come say hi, get some drinks, get some food, watch some uh, basketball. Oh, actually, Come watch the volleyball game. Jesse, I mean, I know it's a football podcast, but volleyball team in the Final Four again, I believe it's the fifth time in six years, taking on Texas on Thursday night. Should be actually, I watched the game there last Thursday at Monks, stayed around, watched the game, and it got, it got pretty loud in there, pretty pretty raucous in there when Wisconsin was finishing off Penn State. So come check it out. And also, I know you're going to be, are you, you're writing a story, volleyball story this week, right? I am, yeah. It's going to be a story on uh, Sarah Franklin, a.k.a. Frank the Tank. <laughs> nickname we've heard before at Wisconsin, an incredible player with a, a really interesting story. So that'll be up on the athletic uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. Can't wait for that. All right, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks Zach.
All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.